cutting edge revolutionary technology out there, uh, specifically narrow and wide web printers. A myth right now is that really high quality print is gonna be some kind of a litho. Yeah, I love this show, man. So we have a lot of new products. How kids have a career path, tremendous opportunities for them to grow through their career path. To me, it's a game changer. Welcome to Ink and Updates, your touch point for the flexographic industry. Stay informed about industry news and advertise your business or service to the community. Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Interactive Inks and Coatings, Ink and Updates. Uh, my name is Craig Tinerella. I'm the operations manager here at Interactive Inks. You can reach me at CRTinerella on Twitter. I haven't got my LinkedIn page up and running yet. What's uh, up with that? I don't know. I'm lazy I today. I don't understand what... I mean, it's 2017. <laughs> I know. You should have this rolling here. I understand that. I'm a little behind on the social media age, but uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, with me today... I'm Tom Brennan, uh, Director of Customer Services here at uh, Interactive Inks and Coatings, and you can... Uh, Reach me at uh, Flexo Inks Chicago at Inks underscore Inks. <laughs> so today... Very, it's very original. That's it's very it works. Original. I was thinking about doing like my Twitter handle instead of my name. I was thinking about doing like CR Ink Man and stuff like that. But you'd be surprised how many of those are out there. Yeah, there's a lot of Ink Man. <laughs> there are. Ink there. Man 1, Ink Man 2. Yeah. So I just kept it my name. All right. So Ink and Updates, uh, it's a newsletter. But it's also now a podcast uh, where we're kind of going to talk about industry news in the flexographic market. Um, also, we'll talk about any news that you might be interested in. So that's digital market, um, lithography, things like that. If you have any questions, concerns, topics that you want us to cover, uh, if we're not sure what the answers are, um, we'll get a hold of our vendors. We'll get people involved to find out what the answers that you're looking for are. Um, today, we're going to talk about reducing operational costs through efficiencies in your ink room. And uh, probably later on, we'll talk about some of the March um, ink and updates that are in our uh, newsletter coming out here for St. Patrick's Day. So you, when you mean efficiencies, you're not talking about like sweeping the floors <laughs> and making sure the labels are on right? No, no. I'm talking about setting up your operations to reduce your inventory costs, to efficiently match colors, um, to really kind of um, do things in a manner that's going to be conducive to cost savings. Uh, actually, one of the biggest cost savings that we see is a reduction in um, substrate costs. When you're efficiently matching colors, um, right, and you're not constantly making color changes and things like that, your make-ready times are reduced, uh, therefore your, your substrate waste is reduced, and depending on what kind of printing you're doing, that can be a significant cost savings. So, um, industry-wide prices are on the rise. Uh, this kind of started early in 2017. Uh, if you remember, there was a hurricane. What was the name of the hurricane in Texas? I think it was, uh, f I don't know, was it Floyd or? Uh, One of the big ones. I think it was January. Harvey? I think Harvey? it was Harvey. Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. Right, Harvey. Okay, so early 2017, the hurricane <laughs> That was a through. mess. <laughs> that was a complete mess. Yeah, it was a bad one. Um, so among, I'm sure, uh, a number of industries were affected, but among them, uh, the styrene plants, a, a large styrene plant, a large contributor uh, to the United States market. Um, was flooded pretty badly, and uh, obviously the production was halted. Now, styrene is used in the manufacturing of all of your water-based printing inks, styrenated acrylics, right? So that was the beginning of what was uh, to be a kind of a rough year. Um, shortly after that, declaration of force majeure by one of the largest manufacturers of TiO2 in the industry um, started to pretty much shake the industry. That was 15 to 25 percent cost increases almost so, overnight. So TIO2 goes and, and for I mean for those people who may not know 
TAO2 goes in what? That is uh, how you manufacture opaque white. Opaque white. Right. And so people think, oh, white's cheap. It's not got, not got nothing in it, right? Right. Yeah, usually a kind of a loss leader. But no, it's um, significant cost increases for manufacturing uh, opaque whites uh, beginning mid or early to mid uh, second quarter of 2017. And that just so happens. It goes on everything. Yeah, absolutely everything. <laughs> it goes, and if, it's if, everywhere. Absolutely. If you happen to be a reverse print back by white guy, that probably uh, was, you know, Ouch. Probably hit you pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Ouch. You need a sound effect for ouch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was a big one. Um, TIO2 also, uh, obviously, for all of your paint industries. So when you start talking about the grades that are required for our industry, for graphic arts industries, we're kind of low on the totem pole. Even if you're the biggest guy uh, in the world for, for manufacturing flexographic printing ink, you're still low on the totem pole when it compares to bare paint. Right. Or, or the, those bigger guys uh, that you go to Home Depot. So the grades were reduced, um, and that, that affected us pretty Right. Much. So when you go to the Home Depot and you buy and paint for your wall because mom sent you down to the hardware store or whatever. Right. That that formula is 99.9% white. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so Very when you heavily, think of that yeah, globally, yeah. We're, we're small potatoes compared to those guys. Absolutely. So um, now for the, fast, or the past few quarters, uh, this is... Um, been more of a recent thing. Uh, stronger enforcement of environmental and safety regulations globally, but most notably in Asia. So in other words, China uh, has caused shortages of key raw materials and unpre unprecedented cost increases. So I have that in quotes. Unprecedented cost increases. That is what I got from my vendor. Wow. Um, uh, to the manufacturing of organic pigments and uh, radical UV, uh, free radical UV ink. So your photo initiator packages and stuff like that. So... Uh, price increases across the board have been announced from most ink manufacturers. If you haven't gotten one, I imagine. Uh, they're lying to you. It's coming. Yeah, it's, yeah. Co it's coming. So the question becomes, when is it going to stabilize? Uh, and uh, from what I'm hearing from my vendors, is it, we're not really 100% sure. <laughs> Hopefully 2019. Um, you know, It's going to be bumpy all through 2018. They're going to be coming, uh, those key shortages will be reduced. I guess what's happening is uh, the Chinese government's coming in and they're saying, okay, so we're going to stamp down on, on regula regulations uh, for environmental stuff, right? So what they're doing is um, they're walking into these plants and I guess they're kind of like city blocks. That's the way it was described to me. Okay. Like you have like, like Interactive Inks is this building and then, but we have 10 other industrial buildings on this oh, block. Okay. If one of those guys is not up to snuff, so it doesn't even have to really be in our industry. Now, this is the way I So that's like your it. neighbor having a dirty yard? <laughs> right, exactly. He's got his uh, you know, washboard out there and the old bathtub with the flowers in it? <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, okay. that's the way I understand it. All right. So if they come in, the government comes in and says, hey, uh, this guy is not up to regulatory snuff, they shut down the whole block and, until they're, they're up to regulation. They shut everybody down. They shut everyone down. <laughs> now, again, that's the way I understand <laughs> it, and I'll try and get some more clarity on that, but that's what it is. Either way, what they're doing is they're walking in and they're saying, if you're not up to the regulatory standards, they're shutting you down until you are. Now, to add insult to injury, just because uh, they were manufacturing for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to continue to do it. So if they shut so you down, it's going to cost you $2 million. There's no guarantee that they're going to invest that $2 million or whatever the, the sum may be to continue to fix that so they, they're closing it down maybe move into another village down the street where they don't have to put up with uh, right and, or they just might discontinue that product altogether yeah. right so that's kind of what we're dealing with as ink manufacturers uh globally 
right? So when you combine uh, the global price increases with, of course, a steady trend industry-wide uh, toward the requirements from brand owners requiring their printers to uh, adopt dig digital quality control procedures, you know, the need to utilize the latest technologies and properly deploy these technologies is, uh, it's clear. So, well, deploying it, that's, that's a whole different subject. I think yes. we could probably do a whole show on, hey, I bought the shiny new toy <laughs> right. that's supposed to help me match colors, and now what? Right, exactly. So deploying it is hard. Uh, just, you know, calibrating um, the formulation software properly, um, even utilizing some of the color control softwares that are available out there, are, you know, can be difficult. So, yeah, that is, that is probably a whole show in and of itself. I might fall asleep during that. Session, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I generally talk to our customers about four efficiencies um, that could really improve um, operational costs and uh, stabilizing your inventory requirements. Uh, I was talking about this. Uh, what was it? The Flexo Trade. It, it was the Twin Cities uh, Flexo Association. Twin Cities we just Flexo there Association. In, uh, yes. Last week. Right, so they asked, uh, nice guys up there, they asked me to come and speak among with some other ink manufacturers, is Ink Wink, from what I understand, and, uh, you know, it was a good time, and I, what, this is basically what I talked about, what I like to talk about with our customers, is how do we efficiently build ink rooms, how do we efficiently handle our inventory, and set ourselves up to compete, you know, in the next five to ten years. So, if you're an owner-operator of a, uh, a print shop, I mean, you know, with price increases coming from everybody, from substrate guys to... Uh, ink guys to everything from your property taxes, you know, and you walk into your ink room and there's like jug after jug after jug after jug. Mm -hmm. I mean, to you as an owner operator, I mean, that's that's money sitting on the shelf. That's got to drive you crazy. Right. You already paid for that ink. Yeah, you've paid for it a long time ago. I've, I've seen some things that go all the way back to the 90s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could say, well, that's a pretty good ink formulation. <laughs> I, I would have like to say that we had something to do with that. However, <laughs> I don't want you to have that ink on the shelf from 1999. I mean, you need to get rid of that yeah. and work it into a formula and get it out of there. I walked into a uh, customer not too long ago, and they had ink um, from Arcar Graphics. Now, that company went out of business, and or they, I believe they were sold, ac acquired. They were, they were sold in the big 1990s acquisition phase, right. yes. So there's ink on the shelf from that's 18, 19 years ago. So anyway, um, that's ink that's bought and paid for, and likely you could still use depending on the application. So the number one, uh, the first efficiency is probably obvious. You, you need to utilize a formulation engine, you know, if you can. Uh, the X-Rite Ink Formulation 6 software is the leading formulation engine for the flexographic industry for both manufacturers and printers. Um, Ten years ago, if we wanted to train a new lab technician, Right, you had to develop his color eye, uh, teach him how to match custom color for a given application. More importantly, deploy that into a custom ink system. That took three to six months. Just to develop a color eye. Just to old develop school. a color eye, old school, do it, um, match that color. But the hard part was really learning how to deploy it into a custom ink system, because you need to, you need to, it has to be stable, it has to be printable, it has to be all these things. Sure. Obviously, it has to pass all the QC procedures. That part it takes time. Uh, in today's world. I could teach really anybody to do it in under an hour. Wow. Uh, How about that? Yeah. It's because the, the basics are is where you had to learn all the rules of chemistry before and all the ins and outs and, and the do's and the don'ts. Nowadays, I just need to write all those rules into a, a software program. In this case, uh, I'm, I'm referring to Ink Formulation 6 and teach you how to navigate the software. Uh, it's completely different 
the world that we're in now to, to what we started out 15, 20 years ago. So that's made your company, our company, more efficient just from a internally, like, hey, sit down here. We're going to, you know, teach you how to use this program. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Custom it should be colors. under a Delta E2 out the door. Delta E2. We, we shoot for under a 1, absolutely, DECMC, D52. But, um, yeah, absolutely. So, really, if a customer calls up today and says, I need uh, a 185 on uh, C1S or something similar to that, they, maybe we have their substrate in-house, um, we can measure either a printed sample that they have or we can go against the, the, the digital library for the first time make. We measure it, and the software will put it into whatever custom ink system that we have, anything in our product guide, automatically. It will dispense that. We, of course, do our due diligence, and we check and make sure it's all good. But all the rules are written into the software. So the right amount of, um, if there's a wax package, there's a proper amount in there. If there's an additive, there's a proper amount in there. If there's the right extending varnish, of course, that's in there. All of those things are done automatically, so you don't have to learn those rules. As long as you don't break the rules, you're fine. So you've, ri you've written rules for sol solventless lamination, our SL system. You've written rules for our Poseidon system. Absolutely. Uh, written rules for the shrinkable film system that we have. And as long as our ink technicians inside don't break those rules, Absolutely. they should be very efficient in what they're doing. That's right. So when we customize ink systems for our customers, we simply write those rules and then we're back to deploying software, right? We write those rules, we, we test all those rules in our laboratory, and then we, we give them to our customers, right? Okay. So they can very easily utilize the software, really on day one. So the ease of which a printer can manufacture even complex custom inks has dramatically improved. So without a formulation, you're limiting the ability to efficiently reproduce color. So we talked about um, the numerous cost savings. Obviously, one of those is reducing and eliminating work off. Very quick and easy to shoot off yeah. and work off and adjust it and measure with it. Um, also, we talked about significantly, potentially significantly reducing your substrates, uh, costs, uh, waste, and um, reducing your inventory on hand, which uh, I can talk about more in a little bit. Um, so I'm touch on this as far as um, actual customer trials, just to kind of review it. You know, um, a lot of customers want us to prove it out. Uh, is your material, is Brand X's material actually going to mix with your material? Um, and of course, we did that uh, several times, but most notably, um, this was a, I think, a three-day trial uh, back in early 2016. So we've been doing this. Man, I feel like. Yeah. So we've had, we've, we have. Uh, uh, I, I believe the first time the IFS6 walked in here, I don't believe that we believed that it would do all the things that uh, we wanted it to do. Uh, after talking and researching it, I mean, we started grabbing just printed samples uh, off the shelf and shooting it in and running back to our lab and coming up with a formula and being under a Delta E1. And so our customers were like, well, you're going to have to prove that to me because mm -hmm. I don't even believe it. And I said, well, you don't believe it because I didn't believe it. And so uh, we had an extensive press trial uh, at one of our customers where we ran over uh, three-day period. Uh, we didn't have really any information on, I, I believe we probably used their ink uh, in a lot of the formulations. Yeah. Uh, we worked off uh, almost $400 worth of ink in, uh, in a day. Yeah, it was, um, I think the total of the three-day trial, it was 450 pounds we got rid of. Now, wow. obviously, you have That's to... a whole drop. Yeah. <laughs> so, so owners, operators out there, I mean, you know, hear, hear us when we say that's, that's a whole drum, 
you know, I don't know what your ink vendor is charging you, but maybe it's, you know, depending on the color, between five and eight bucks a, a pound. I mean, that's and 400 and something pounds. That's a lot. Sure. It adds up. So um, generally speaking, at least for this trial, it was an average of 13 to 15 percent fresh ink was required to turn um, a, a kit of off color ink, you know, press ready. So about 15% wow. fresh ink that you had to pay for as compared to having to weigh up another 40 pounds of fresh ink. So those that's are, great. that's one of the big, obviously the big improvements for the Ink Formulation 6 software. The Color Master 3 did an okay job at that, um, but that software really didn't have the same kind of engine that the Ink Formulation 6 does. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, uh, our second efficiency is develop dependent standards. So dependent standards are standards that are dependent on the conditions of which they were produced. Uh, your press, your inks, your substrate, your application. Uh, dependent standards ensure that you are consistently replicating the job that your customer originally signed off on. Uh, and okay. you have digital proof of work. Right. So a lot of what time what happens, and, and for first-time color matches, we still recommend that you do this, but utilize the Pantone digital reference um, to QC the first-time job. So if a customer calls up and says, hey, I need a 286, and it's the first time you run the job. Okay. Um, you can use the Pantone Digital Reference uh, or Pantone Live. We might do a whole show on Pantone Live. I'll talk about that later. I don't want to get into it now. Sure. Um, but you grab your, your digital reference because you need something to shoot for to start. So unless your customer gives you what uh, their digital reference. What they're, what they're calling a 286, right? Because I think we kind of run into this a lot. Right. Where... Uh, customer will call up and say, hey, I need a 286 blue. We go to the digital library. Uh, we do our work with inside our rules, and we uh, provide them a 286 blue. Uh -huh. We send proofs to the customer. The customer sends it to their customer, and they said, that's not a 286 blue. Right. Exactly. Because so. they have a printed sample <laughs> right. of what they're calling a 286 blue, right? Exactly. So, and yeah. what is color? You know, it's, it's a reflectance. Um, so it's completely dependent on the conditions, obviously the okay. substrate and all those things, but the light source, and then of course the mathematical equation, if you're using digital color approval, are you using DECMC to prove out your color, uh, are you using DE2000? And again, we can do, we can really get into depth on that. But if we started with the 286 and the, and the customer just says, hey, uh, use the digital library the, um, to get us started. Okay. You match your first time job, and you're within two DECMC, Okay, customer's happy, everyone signs off, and, and you're gone, right? A lot of times what happens is what I call metameric shift, where three months from now, five months from now, they go to run the job again. And they take the formula out, and if you can picture a 2D LAB screen, right? You got the, the yellow, uh, blue, and then on the other side, you got the green, the red. Um, what happens a lot of times is, is you shift, because whenever you're measuring against, at least in water-based and UV, um, and solvent very likely as well, um, Whenever you're measuring against a digital Pantone library, you're going to deal with metamerism, colors that look perfect under one uh, under one light source, and they look completely different under another light source. So when you're dealing with metamerism, often what happens is you match to the digital reference again the next time if you're using that as your digital reference, but you might use a different path to get there. You might use a different uh, pigment selection. Okay. Maybe the pressman adds a little uh, rubine to it when he should have used violet to turn it to the red side. Right. Okay. So then what happens is he ends up on the other side of the sphere. Okay. So when you're on the other side of the sphere, you might be 1.8 DE to the Pantone Digital Library of 286.
but where are you from what you originally sent your customer? You could be on the other end of that ellipse, which could be three to four DE difference. Definitely could be an extreme visual difference. And that's just one example. So when you talk about dependent standards, what we want to do is the first time we run that job for the customer, uh, we want to make that our digital standard moving forward, the standard that your customer signed off on. Okay. And it's dependent on how you created it. So you have a 286 for job number 1234 on press sure. 3, 500 line 4.3 BCM, right? White BOBP, water-based inks. If you overprinted it, you want to you mark down that you overprinted that. Um, your print speed. Uh, and then, of course, your formulation. If you do those things and you, and you digitally save all of that information, and the next time you run that job, you're comparing against... Not the digital library, but you're comparing against what your customer signed off on, that dependent standard, that 286 just for them. Sure. You are reducing drastically your, ma your make-ready times on press, your complications on press, and quite frankly, headaches for the ink techs and, and the pressmen. So, uh, <clears throat> so part of that recommendation is making sure that all the press conditions are the same, right? So uh, ensuring that, hey... You, you really do need to know what your analog's uh, volume is. You mm -hmm. really need to know what the BCM is, or you know, or line, line count and BCM volumes, uh, because that'll throw your color off. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it'll just make it look different. Absolutely. The goal is to not have to mess around with the ink at all. Sure. If you can, if you can avoid it. Um, you know, you're going to deal with things like a worn analogs. Uh, you, you know, some of those things are hard to avoid. Human error, for example, when you're mixing the ink. Not everyone has a dispensing unit where it's going to mat, where it's going to weigh up the ink, perfect every time. Um, or of course, maybe you're using work off, which I always recommend you do. Um, you're always going to deal with kind of those variations. But if you know exactly how you replicated a standard, um, if you are in a hurry or in a pinch, you can always weigh up fresh ink and get on press and go. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have time, or if you can, then you can then you can play with that color and you can work it off, uh, work off material that you already have on, on the shelf. I mean, I don't I, I don't know that we even have those numbers, but I would imagine I mean, <clears throat> you have pr you know, rather large presses out there that run a thousand feet a minute, and you're and you're, and you're trying to monkey around with colors. Mm -hmm. I mean, owners be... owners and operators out there are like look at all that waste <laughs> that uh, you know to get uh, this 286 blue to come on come online. Uh, it gets expensive. Absolutely, it does. Yep. So, developing dependent standards really helps uh, efficiently uh, operations-wise. Uh, basically, being able to replicate color, replicate jobs, and keeping your your customers on target. So, is there like a a, a recommended way of putting your ink systems together? As far as strengths goes? Well, as far as the pigment selections and, and how the colors are mixed up. Yes, okay. So that gets to number three, uh, which is our um, our third efficiency, which is I always recommend mono-pigmenting your ink systems. So when you introduce unneeded pigments in your blending system, it limits it limits the, the formulations engine's ability to match properly. Uh, so when a formulation engine, what it's trying to do is it's trying to match um, what's commonly known as the fingerprint of the color, uh, which is a spectral curve that is a measurements taken from 400 to 700 nanometers. I think it's actually taken 20 below and 20 above, so 380 to 720 nanometers, and it takes a reading every 10 nanometers. And what it does is it plots that those readings. 
So that's called spectral curve or a fingerprint, color fingerprint. So that's the address. That's the yeah, well, that's the map. Okay, map. I would say the LAB data is the at, is the is the location on the map, and the spectral curve is how to get to that get to that location. Fair enough. Um, so, in many PMS blenders, in and of themselves are actually color matches. Uh, I think I don't know how well known that is in the industry, but when you talk about reflex blue, oh man, yeah, that that is realistically a blend of three sometimes four <laughs> colors right it's blue 15 three it's violet 23 it's phthalo green sometimes it's red 57 everyone has a different idea of what it should look like and every customer says hey it's not red enough it's not purple enough it's not violet enough it's it, not uh, exactly blue enough it's not right? right so in our software so, like, we the have, worst color in the whole pantone book is reflex it, it really is it's followed closely by 072 right but um yeah absolutely so what you're talking you're talking about a blend and every time you blend a reflex you gave that blend a given a fingerprint that you can't alter um, so when you add if you're trying to match let's go back to our 286 reference or um, I think that's 286 either way let's you take a reflex you clean it up with um, Pantone Pro Blue you can clean it up with Pantone Pro Blue but you're equally reducing your your blue 15.3 your violet 23 your thalo green however you made up that reflex it's being equally reduced or equally brought up to strength right so you can find yourself chasing your tail uh, you know, I can only go this direction and I can only right. go that direction. Yeah, right. The software can't adjust what's already in the reflex. Sure. So right. um, attempting to color match with pre-made reflex introduces three pigments automatically, and each pigment has its own unique digital signature. Uh, it, used, it was fine for visual uh, color approval, but that's kind of going away, and, and it makes digital color approval. So that's how they used to do it. Like, so old school, you had, uh, you know, you had your blenders. Mm -hmm. had plus. Your blenders. Reflex blue. Right. Well, reflex was considered a blender. It still is a... Right. Well, okay. But but reflex has got three or four pigments in it all together. Right. That are already in your standard pigment line. So, mm -hmm. you're, so you're complicated. Why inventory it? Right. Why inventory it? Right. right. Why you pay can just for make it. it. Right. Exactly. When you can make it yourself, and, and with the software, it's very easy. But even without the software, even if you just had a checkway system, there's no reason you couldn't make your own reflex blue. <laughs> I think we just sent shockwaves through the whole, <laughs> through the whole industry. What do you mean I don't have to... Yeah, you Inventory, don't have to buy reflex that. blue. What? Right. What's and going on here? I have customers that buy both a, a light fast version um, and a non light fast version, which is fine and good. But essentially, what you're talking about is taking a violet 23, which is a carbazole light fast violet, and making it with a violet 27 to try and reduce your costs. All fine and good, but it's it's easier to just buy the the base, right. and then we teach you how to make your own. Secrets revealed right here. <laughs> right, <laughs> secrets revealed. Um. So reducing inventory is, is by monopigmenting your ink systems, efficiency number three. Realistically, I estimate seven pigments. Uh, you can match the majority. I would say somewhere between 80 and 90% of the Pantone book can be matched with seven pigments. There's going to be the 10 to 15% where you need those really clean, more expensive pigments like purple and um, or violet too, rather, and uh, rhodamines. We love those kind of orders. Oh, yeah, we do. I mean, if you you know, hey, if you want to order, <laughs> if you want to order a drum of purple, give me a call today. <laughs> That's right. So I mean, you might want to have a jug handy when you really need to get those very tight color tolerances. But I'll also caution that purple bleeds, and it's not a, obviously it's not a very light fast color, and we talk small about all print. those things. Right, <laughs> small print. That's this, a, this fine, is a disclaimer. That's a fine that. print about ordering a whole drum of purple. <laughs> yeah, it might be a different color tomorrow if you leave it in the sun. Yes. Um. All right, so that's number three. Th number three is monopigmenting your ink systems. Uh, number four, 
when it comes to blending systems in-house, if you're going to take the time to do it, the stronger the ink system, the stronger the blending system, the more cost savings you're going to inevitably get for spot colors. And the reason for that is, basically, um, extending varnishes are cheap. So even though you're a lot of customers... They're less expensive. They're not Correct. cheap. Correct. I'm sorry. I want to make sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to have a whole whole bunch of customers calling me up saying, hey, right. I hear the extending varnish is cheap. It's less expensive. It's less expensive. Okay. Correct. Right. My, my apologies. Okay. Um, so the more of it you have in a finished ink formula, generally speaking, the lower cost that you're going to see for a spot color. Okay. So if you were to, I mean, I just did some basic math. I took the cost of goods sold of a number of our high-strength blenders and a number of our finished ink blenders, and I times it by X. Now, X is keeping the lights on, paying the bills. And X um, is really, in this case, it's pretty arbitrary. I just picked a number that was easy. Okay. So it's not even necessarily legitimate. But, and of course, the cost of goods sold, cost of goods sold changes all the time, as we talked about right at the beginning of the show. Um, but anyway, it times that by X. And what I found was an average of 10 cents per pound cost savings, the higher the BCM volume. So if you're using a high strength toner and you're gonna match, let's say a 185, my math came out to, um, at the time, I did this math two years ago, keep this in mind, you would have paid somewhere around- wow, so that cha that's, that's changed a lot. Sig significantly, yes. yes. Um, if you were to weigh up a 185 for a four BCM volume uh, using our checkway system, and um, X was the variable that we priced you out at. You would have paid you would have paid about five dollars for that 185 per pound. If you were to just call us up and say, "Hey, I need a 185 at a 4 BCM. Can you ship it to me?" You're going to be paying right around 582. So that's an 80 cents per pound change. Sure. So everyone knows that it's more expensive to call up and get a custom color. But what we also noticed is, as I did the math, that really the higher strength that you're blending with, the more cost savings you're going to see. So let's say you blend it in-house with a 4BCM blending system for a checkaway system, and you made that same 185. Well, you're going to be paying about four or 524. So still significant savings using a finished ink blending system, but not as much savings as you could have had if you were using a high-strength toner vehicle system. So does that make sense? Yeah, I think it, I, I mean it makes sense to me, but obviously I kind of deal with this all day long. And <laughs> right. So, and so maybe some people are like, "Hey, what's the what's the difference between this high strength toner and a, and a finished ink system?" And and how I explain that to customers is, well, high strength toner uh, is basically just your colorant. Mm -hmm. It does it's pigment. It's liquid pigment, and you can take that liquid pigment and mix any of finish it with any of our ink systems, either paper series or film or whatever, by using our letdown varnish. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, you're not keeping multiple finished inks on the floor. Uh, but I will say this, if you just took a high strength toner and, and jacked it up to 90%, it's not going to stick to anything. It's going to fall apart. It has no, has no goodies in it whatsoever. <laughs> so that ink room guy has got to be like, oh, I just, I just poured some of this in there, you right. know, and, and it's falling off the film. Yeah, I bet, it, I bet it is. Right, and that's why we go, we started with efficiency number one, which is the formulation engine won't allow you to make those mistakes. And as long as you follow the rules. The rules. Right. We're back to the rules. Right. And a lot of customers aren't even comfortable with that as a safety. So we do often make the toners with a minimum amount of goodies in there. So customers can do one, they can do two things. They could, they could, they could get a high strength toner system with and buy the letdown varnish 
depending on what however many what, what, whatever they want to do you want right. to print on film you want to print on paper you want to you know whatever you want to do sleeve, you can whatever do that. It is. or you could buy a uh, finished ink system to keep your ink room guy from making those mistakes making a mistake like that right okay so even when you grab um you know we can make it high strength to the point where it's kind of in between a finished ink and a toner like I said, where there's just the minimum amount in there, and we can, you know, basically call it a one or a zero. And when they adjust colors on press, they're using quote-unquote toners, but they're still, every time they, they slug that jug in there, they're still keeping the minimum amount of goodies in there. Okay. So mistakes, uh, so even though the formulation engine obviously can prevent it, a lot of people still are not comfortable with that. I mean, we don't want we don't want our customers no. to be ink formulators, right? right. We, I mean, we, the last thing you need to be worried about is being worried about the ink. And right. So, you know, part of what we do is work with you to find out what solution is best for you, um, and to make you more efficient in this process. So, right, exactly right. Uh, we customize ink rooms, so however you feel comfortable doing it. So, in review. Uh, the efficiencies that we went over is formulation engines, excellent asset to any ink room. Uh, dependent standards ensure repeatability and ease of replication. Uh, our third is monopigmented ink systems, excuse me, increase formulation capabilities. You can hit a wider range of colors when you have, uh, when you give the formulation engine everything it needs. And uh, stronger blending systems equals savings um, when it comes to spot colors. So that's basically uh, the review and that's kind of what I went over at the the Twin Cities last week, and uh, so how was that? How did that go? I mean, actually, I, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, um, I mean, it was good to see a lot of the uh, our competitors were talking about LED inks. Sure. And perhaps we'll do a show on that as well. So UV LED inks was a popular one, and then um, I believe a gentleman did a presentation on uh, shrink sleeves. Oh, great. So that's very big. That's very. That's popular. becoming very popular, right? Oh yeah, pouches I mean, every, are big. You go to the grocery store, everything's uh, shrink, 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 shrink. Right. Shrink, you can buy you your know. tuna now in a, in a packet rather than a can, and not get that letty taste, right? So, oh, that's uh, a big one. And now everyone's worried about migration and things. I'm like kind that. of an old school guy. Kind of like the can. <laughs> like and, the can. It's stackable. You know, they're stackable. <laughs> I have. I've got uh, five or six of them in my office right now. That's right. I yeah. have some in the fridge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, meeting some people I haven't met before, networking a little bit, and just you know kicking back and you know having a beer with some with some customers. Oh, that's great. Nothing wrong that's with fantastic. that. That's fantastic. Good. Um, so in our ink and updates edition here, we have a few headlines that maybe we should just touch on. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's the St. Patrick's Day uh, version. I mean, it is uh, it is green as green can be. I mean, it's uh, the front cover here has got a beautiful shot of. Uh, uh, a place I'd like to visit, uh, Ireland one day, and uh, um, but we have to give a big shout out to the uh, Flexo Technical Association celebrating its 60, 60 years of operation. I think that's, I mean, it, they've really done a uh, you know great job of kind of bringing all everybody in this industry together um, and keeping news in you know places that. Uh, uh, you know, giving us the updates, you know, from before. And so I think it's uh, just a sh quick shout out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 60 years is a long time. 60 I mean, years is a long time. I mean, it's, uh, it's before my time, that's for sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, they do a good job at, uh, we're a tight knit group, really. I mean, think about it. There's only so many people out there that when you come down to it, know how to manufacture ink. So you had, there's only so many ink manufacturers out there. Uh, it's only so many printers out there. It's a tight knit group. And, um, really everybody knows everybody. 
So when you get associations like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a small industry when you when you're looking at uh, that, but uh, powerful industry. I mean, every I've been doing it uh, now it's twenty plus years, and uh, you know every time I go to the grocery store, I mean everything needs a label, everything has to package. You know, it's just uh, it's one of those things that uh, uh, it's been a great career for a lot of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was just reading this. Uh, until 1907, Ireland celebrated St. Patrick's Day as a religious, not national holiday. So that means that every pub in Ireland was closed on March that's 17th. Just, that's a shame. So that was somebody, somebody, somebody's light turned on in 1970, and they said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, well, I'm gonna and, open." And St. <laughs> Patrick wasn't even Irish. Right? No, he wasn't. He was born in Britain to Romania to Roman parents. Right. Yeah. So we did. Uh, we included some interesting facts about St. Patrick's Day on our on our Incan updates. If you want to get a little bit more information, you could feel free to read through it. It is available on our website um, at Incan Updates uh, on our support page at interactiveinks.com. And do you have anything else that you want to mention? No. Uh, everybody, be safe this weekend. Uh, here in Chicago, they're going to, uh, you know, it's on a Saturday, so everybody's going to be out. Uh, doing what they do on St. Patrick's Day. The river is going to be green. The weather is going to be beautiful. And, uh, you know, have a green have a green beer on us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so once again, this is Ink and Updates brought to you by Interactive Inks and Coatings. You can reach me, Craig Tinerella, at C-R-Tinerella, T-I-N-E-R-E-L-L-A, if you want to find us on Twitter. Tom, what's your Twitter And uh, Yeah, so Tom Breton, <clears throat> you can uh, reach me at Flexo Inks Chicago at Inks underscore Inks. All right, that'll do it. All right. Thank you very much for listening. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye.